0: what do you do when you have more questions than answers if there are questions about video games we got you welcome to triple click where we bring the games to you this week we open up the listener mailbag answering questions about the future of the metaverse playing games on easy mode bad endings that ruin the game and more I'm Maddie Myers.
1: Hello. I'm Jason Shire, And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hi there. Hello. Hello.
0: Hey, it's nice us. to see you both.
1: It sure it's is. Here we are. It's
0: us. It's another episode of Triple Click. <laughs> Happy
2: January. Yeah.
0: Clickety, click, click, as I always say every week, except when I don't, which is most of the time.
2: That's your catchphrase. Yeah. Maddie Myers, clickety, click, click.
0: If you think that catchphrase owns, and you've thought that every single time I've said mm. it, which has been more times than I could possibly Myriad. count, definitely yeah. not just just the once, uh, you might you might want to think about supporting the show by becoming mm. a Max Fun member from from our our good old network, Maximum Fun. Yeah. And if you went to maximumfun.org/slash/join, you could become a member and you would get a monthly bonus episode. And this month it'd be. It feels like you get an extra one because we released a Beans Cast about the Matrix Resurrections and all three prior Matrix movies, kind of early, a little bit early on the January Beans Cast this month.
2: A little bit of early beans, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. Just because you know people are talking Matrix already, we just wanted to get get our take out there. Well, it's hot, hot beans on the fire, but there's so many (laughs) other beans in the backlog. And yeah, the so MaximumFun.org slash join. You should check it out. Check out some bonusodes. Um, yeah. And one other bit of really cool info. Can't <laughs> wait for this. We are all playing Sweet Code in two because some of us, two of us, me and Kirk lost a bet to one Mr. Jason Schreier. And so we are going to get through the first chunk of the game for our February 17th episode and the first chunk Jason do you want to describe what you would characterize as the first chunk of Sweet Code in 2 for the listeners who are playing along?
2: Yeah, so so a couple of things. First of all, I'm actually, I'm going to write up like a brief guide with some tips and also info on the missable characters, characters that you have to recruit um, at specific times or else you can never get Maybe them. Maybe you
0: shouldn't call them missable characters because that makes it sound like they can be missed, but you mean the opposite, correct? Like characters that you don't want to miss by accident. No, I
2: mean missable characters in that you can miss them as opposed to okay, everything okay. else you can go and get anytime you want missable is a warning here it's not something that's saying you have permission to miss them it's not Uh missable as a permission it's missable as a cautionary cautionary adjective you could call them miss risks but it doesn't (laughs) really roll off the tongue i like that that
0: sounds really hard to say
2: (laughs) a couple things i'll be putting together a brief guide and tips for you guys um, and I'll probably drop it in the Discord. We, we have a, a great little Discord channel where we're talking about and 2, and I'll try to figure out if I can get it in the show notes at some point. But um, there's also, I already actually did one for Kotaku, which I will put in the show notes a while back. It's just a little bit dated because it's from 2014. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we will be playing up until at least the point where you get your own Castle spoilers. You get your ca- your own castle in this game.
0: In real life too. So I'm yeah, looking they, forward to that. They mail
1: you one.
2: <laughs> it's about the first I don't know, eight hours, depending on how fast you play. Um, And that's what we will be talking about. Mm -hmm.
0: Jason claimed before the call he could get there in two hours. So how (laughs) hard could it be? That's what I'm telling myself in the mirror every day.
2: Maddie, there's actually uh, a side quest in this game that you can only get if you get to a certain point with under 12 hours. Um, on your play clock so it's actually you can you can zip through this game Um, but anyway so we go into triple play part one february 17th uh, that's when we will start kicking off our our video game club for the year playing the best jrpg ever made Um, very exciting um, so without further ado let's get to this week's episode shall we let's yeah let's do it we shall this week we are opening up the old listener question bag. We got a giant bag full of <laughs> listener questions. Listener question bag. As yeah, as it's we, not a mailbag. Cause, um, cause
0: mail—that's out of date. This is no. electronic mail we're talking well, about here.
2: We were trying to get a mailbag, but then uh US Postal Service Commissioner Louis Louis DeJoy uh destroyed the USPS. So we can't <laughs> right, we can't right. get a mailbag. That's anymore. the only
0: reason we use an email address for this. It's, it's just because of because of the true. USPS struggles. Otherwise we would
2: have a P.O. box. No, I have a bag full of mail. You guys can see it on camera, of course. It's a it's mm-hmm. a bag. It has for some reason it has a dollar sign, like a dollar figure on the on right. the front. Um, Most bags just have a dollar sign on them.
0: Well, yeah. And it only has like five emails printed out, like really specifically (laughs) selected (laughs) ones. Jason's printer
2: ran out of ink. The truth is I stole this bag from the bank and I'm just (laughs) using it. All right, let's get to it. We have lots of burning questions to get through. As always, you can reach us with your own questions at at tripleclickatmaximumfund.org. We can't respond to every single email we get, but we do do our best to read every single one. And every single question goes in our our bag. Um, In fact, a couple of these questions that I have pulled out for us today are two years old they're from 2020 so uh it is even if you don't get your question read uh quickly it might you might get it read a couple years from now so never stop listening to this podcast you
1: just gotta stick with (laughs) you
0: can't if you've ever emailed us you're on the hook now
1: it's the truth Bing! Hello, everybody. It's Kirk here. I am editing the episode on Tuesday, January 18th. And I just wanted to note that we recorded this episode a little bit earlier this week. Um, We recorded it before the weekend, actually, because Jason Schreier was traveling, which means that we recorded this before The absolute whopper of a news story hit that Microsoft purchased Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion, which is pretty wild. Um, I'm, you know, probably the least qualified of the three of us to talk about industry, punditry, and analysis. But even I know that is a really big purchase. Good Lord. So anyways, we're not going to talk about it on this episode, but we'll probably discuss it some. Next week, And I just wanted to acknowledge that that is, you know, like the biggest games industry news story of the year and maybe ever. (laughs) And um, I didn't want people to listen and think, why aren't they talking about this huge thing that happened? So that's why we recorded it before that happened. But we will probably discuss it next week. All right. Back to the show. Bing!
2: Maddie, why don't you go first and read us this first one?
0: Sure. So Aaron writes... Do you think we will ever see VR and haptic accessories approaching the level of Ready Player One in our lifetime? Sorry I used that shitty book and movie as a reference, <laughs> but it's the best example of what I'm driving at. I just turned 40 last week and my impending mortality has me thinking of things that I may never experience. I'm just going to pause and say I guess Aaron's turning 42 this year. Happy uh-huh. birthday uh-huh. to yeah, Aaron. Yeah, this is 2020. <laughs> Anyway, Aaron continues Real immersive outstanding VR is one of those things. Will we get HD visuals with no cords or our own hands and fingers in our games and 360 degree treadmills in the next 30 years? Can I spend my sunset years in a nursing home lost in a believable virtual world?
2: I think it'd be pretty funny if that technology like came to fruition in 20 years or so, but all you could play on it was Skyrim. And it's just still Skyrim. <laughs> <on> <laughs> that would still be
0: platform. great, though, is the thing. Right. You know? Wouldn't it was Skyrim's 50th
1: anniversary. <laughs> <and it laughs> that would that be, great. be cool. <laughs> I've played Skyrim in VR. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, I do think, well. Let me think how to answer this question. It's kind of funny because this question is from two years ago and some of this technology has already kind of happened in that the Oculus uh, Quest, the Quest 2, is playable wirelessly from a gaming PC and they've added the ability to do hand tracking just with that kind of cheap, you know, or inexpensive headset. Mm-hmm. They just announced PSVR 2, which is very powerful from what I gather from the specs. There's all these like, you know, the really powerful ones like the Valve Index are pretty mighty. They can do a lot of stuff. And of course, Facebook has since announced that they're a metaverse company and investing. Right. Right. I yeah. mean, they're, right. So in 30 years, I mean, th- 30 years ago, it was 1992. <laughs> like, so like, yeah, I think in 30 years, a lot of stuff is going to happen even though I think that our vision of what it's going to look like is incomplete because it always is. We never really know what's going to happen in 30 years. And I think thinking of it as in terms of like VR like today, but better, like isn't actually how it's going to be, right? Because that's never how it is. So I'm not, you know, a sci-fi author and I don't quite have the imagination to think of what it will look like, but I do, you know, I've been around long enough to know that it will probably just be very different. And I do think that some of the stuff in ready player one like for all of its faults as a story it is a very enthusiastic envisioning of like what really incredible virtual reality could be like but there are these sort of questions that it raises that it doesn't really answer there are logistical questions especially in that movie which i actually think is kind of it's like a b minus but it's sort of a fun movie um but like there are questions in that movie when you're watching you're like wait a minute what like because they're just (laughs) you'll see them one of the funniest scenes in that movie is when there's this epic war going on did the two of you see this movie no but i did see the two so
0: i'm familiar with the epic war
1: (laughs) this is steven spielberg's um you know adaptation of of this book and there's a scene um yeah the book is from around then the movie is only a few years old yeah
0: i think the book is 2011 that's why that movie is in my head fairly recent
1: Um, And it's there's just a part in it like near the end where there's a huge war happening and all of these people are like fighting on both sides and the actual battle is like sweet because it's like Freddy Krueger and the Iron Giant and you know everybody's dressed up as their favorite whatever and they're all doing battle and it's kind of like Fortnite but like it looks Mm -hmm. super vivid and real because it's CG movie and then it just cuts to like the real world and it really kind of feels like for a minute the movie is just making fun of everybody because it shows them all and they're all like wearing their headsets and they're like just like in their offices like waving around looking like you do when you play VR looking like dorks and then it cuts back to the action and it's this super... Super exciting action. But it raises all these questions of like, okay, but wait a minute. How are they moving around through the space? Because like they're sitting in their offices and yet in the game, they're like jumping around hundreds of feet. So there's like a lot of sort of geographic and tracking questions that are raised and never answered. And I don't really know, you know, like when Aaron asked about 360 degree treadmills, Mm -hmm. I've used those, those exist. Like they would always be demoing them at GDC, like back when VR was first coming out, whenever that was five or six years ago. And they're kind of clunky and they don't really work and then it's like okay well can you hang yourself up in like a Vitruvian man gyroscope where you're like moving, th- I don't know, like or haptic suits where there's resistance so it can like simulate walking and you know, I don't know there's a, there's a scene in Ready Player One where a guy gets kicked in the crotch and his suit like kicks him in the crotch because they're simulating it and I'm like I don't think I would want that technology <laughs> yeah, I feel like you could just cut <laughs> out sure, that part of yeah. the
0: suit so that that wouldn't be a concern for yeah, you get,
1: remove the, the boot to the crotch Feature. Yeah, maybe yeah. like yeah, safety on the on the crotch region of the suit.
0: But maybe that's considered cheating, and it's like immoral to cut out the part of your right, crotch, and you right. have to just be ethical in online games and just accept right. uh-huh. whom, uh, whomever might kick what you. What if
2: you just move your your body, like twist
1: your torso a little bit, so you can't really get kicked in the crotch? Right, right, it depends right. Depends on the server that you're on. You can go on the right. like full crotch vulnerability servers. <laughs> <laughs> Right. i mean we so joke but like
0: i do feel like that is the reality in years, is that it's like just weird stuff sex stuff we can't even imagine but <laughs> yes. also like weird arguments like about like how you can have advertising or like political campaigns in vr like i feel like we've already seen that unfold in like Fortnite mm-hmm. and animal crossing and second life it's been going on for years like there's real estate agents that work in second life and sell virtual spaces mm-hmm. and like that whole labor of virtual worlds thing is so fascinating to me and it is absolutely not what Ready Player One is about. Ready Player One's about the fantasy of it all, but I think that's what the future of it looks like is much more weird, mundane problems and drama, you know?
1: Yeah, ready Player One side I mean this is, we don't need to get sidetracked on ready Player One, but it does sidestep a lot of the most interesting questions about this stuff by making the Oasis is what it was it's called in the metaverse in that fictional world is this like idyllic place created by this guy who like kept it totally free from corporate influence and advertising so it's just like we're just going to make this as simple as possible so we can just tell this hero's story we're actually like right like the the reality is going to be way more complicated can i raise a point related to something else that aaron mentioned which is just playing video games as we get older as a person now in my 40s i think about this more and more and like I'm skeptical. Like I've thought about this in the past. I've thought, man, it's going to be cool when I'm old because I can just like play video games in the <laughs> retirement home and that'll be sweet. But then yep. I think about how bad video games are with accessibility in general and mm-hmm. how as you get older, your body does deteriorate in these ways and things that were easy for you to do when you were younger get harder. You know, I'm, I've noticed tendon stuff with my hands when I'm playing and I'm having some I'm playing, you know, like a, a video game with a lot of QTEs in it where you have to tap the button and I really like won't do it with my thumb anymore because I need to like preserve my thumb for playing guitar and because that alone hurts it and I'm like tapping it with my index finger and just realizing that a lot of these games aren't very accessible and I have my doubts that VR is going to be appropriately accessible for older people By the time we're older and we want to be doing it, it could well be that it's this kind of frustrating thing where it's like, well, we could be doing it, but it's just like not really that easy to use. Well, I guess Mm. the fantasy
2: is that it would be easy to use and it's just you put a headset on and like, I mean the connect might be the closest piece of technology we've seen to to like what the future could look like but that has become something else entirely and it was, didn't really have a, a super effective use for games but um maybe when it comes to the metaverse maybe we could see more stuff like that popping up i don't know i i tend to actually agree with your your one of your earlier points Kirk where like you feel like we're just going into this blind and we just don't even know what we don't know about what the future could look like I was just thinking about how in 2003 when I got my first cell phone like my little flip phone thing Mm. and I was using it to like text people in high school and stuff and and it was the coolest thing ever It never even occurred to me that like oh man I wish I could have email and internet on this thing but then along comes the iPhone and that's the most revolutionary device of of the century um and that just changes everything
0: mm-hmm. And a, and a camera everywhere. Like right, everything. everything. Camera, internet, everything like, to have a camera, every single person has a camera and right. the internet and instant social media ways to share everything they see. Yeah. So wild. That,
2: that just like wouldn't have even been something I would have fantasized about at the time. And I think sometimes like even the most imaginative sci-fi writers aren't really, like can't really fathom what the pace of technology is going to look like and what the future is going to look like. So yeah, I don't know. I don't really think that like, um uh the ready player one Uh, existence is what it's gonna be and then again I also think that like a lot of this metaverse talk is people finding solutions to problems that don't really exist as opposed to finding um, these tools that like wow solve problems that we didn't even know we had and I think like Facebook going all in on this idea of the metaverse is just like very unappealing to a lot of people like I don't think a lot of people want to go into a world where they're like in VR all day in the metaverse taking meetings
1: from their virtual offices
0: yeah yeah, I don't really want to.
1: <laughs> right, I think that if you th- if you think of it in terms of of that of, of it being like the, this VR world that we're all sort of imagining a shared VR space, that maybe it's not something that people want. I can see Facebook just thinking, okay, this area is ripe for the kind of invention that is like an iPhone, like for something that is the thing that we don't realize we want. And so we're just going to kind of start doing development in it because this kind of a virtual space could lead to whatever it is, you know, whatever the thing is that in 10 years we're like, oh yeah, like when Facebook talked about meta and the the metaverse, we were like, oh, I don't want that. But we hadn't thought of X thing that's so-and-so introduced yes. that suddenly it's like, oh, this is sweet. Like, everybody would want to do this. Mm-hmm. And that does seem kind of possible with this technology. Um, all right. Let's keep going. Kirk, you want to take this next one? Sure. This comes from Corzo1212. Corzo writes, during quarantine, I found myself returning to a lot of games, particularly RPGs, that I either didn't like the first time around or never previously finished. One main thing I've been doing differently, however, is I've been setting the games on Easy. Not only have I been able to play through and experience more games this way, my enjoyment of them has changed for the better as well. A younger version of me would never dream of this, but now I'm finding more and more that I start new games on easy while leaving the higher difficulties for replays or series I'm already familiar with. I'm curious how you all view difficulty settings. Has your opinion about easy mode changed over the years? Have you ever returned to a game and played it on a lower setting and found that you enjoy it more that way? And why do we apply guilt and shame into dropping the difficulty to get through particularly challenging parts. I have
2: I have done this when I hate a game and have to play it, or like I hate a part of a game and, and want to play through it. Um, mm-hmm. I was playing, do you guys remember that game, 13 Sentinels that I talked about a couple of years yes. ago? Yes, yeah. Um, I benefited
1: from Easy.
2: Yeah, so that was a game where like the visual novel, there was a visual novel component and then an RTS component, and the visual novel part was what what was really appealing about the game. The RTS part super sucked, and so I said that to Easy and just blazed through it because um, it was terrible. Um, And I've also done that with like games I was reviewing where I was just like, I don't want to play any more of this. I'm going to drop it to easy. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I've done that too. I've even done it for this show for Guardians of the Galaxy. I dropped it to easy to get further in the story because I was like, I want to get further in this game. I want to know what happens, but I'm not enjoying the combat. It's really repetitive. Mm -hmm the boss fights I didn't find fun in that game I don't need to go on and on but like it's a situation where you know I'm trying to play more of something and especially when I'm editing stories about at work about games that have stories it can be useful to just play through something and see everything and there's something different about playing through something as opposed to just watching the cutscenes online, too, because then at mm-hmm. least I have some sense of how the game works, even if I'm playing the easiest possible version of it. Um, I'm trying to remember if I uh, knocked Halo down to easy at various points to get through parts of it. That game wasn't too hard for me, so possibly not. Yeah. But I, I've, done, I've done things like that, especially if I'm covering something for work or if I just want to get through it. And I don't have shame about it, just to speak to... Um, The part of Corzo's email about that, I used to have shame about it as well. When I was younger, I couldn't have ever imagined doing that. I never would have done it, even for games I was reviewing professionally early in my career. I would be playing everything at the very least on normal or hard. And that was like, I would be priding myself on that, which now I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, what? But also back then games did not often include the option that is almost standard now, which is changing the difficulty setting at any time. And like 10 years ago, even five years ago, I feel like it was relatively uncommon for that to be an option. And nowadays Mm -hmm. you can flip it around and that rules. Like I I love that that standard now and it makes it less of an intense decision at the beginning of a game where you're like am I normal? quote unquote. What is normal? Who who can truly say what what I'm going to feel about this video game when I'm 10 hours in? And that's nice. I like that.
1: Yeah, there is the thing when you're a game reviewer in the way it especially used to be where you feel this sort of pressure where if you didn't play it on hard or whatever, if you're not good at the game, then people are going to question your mm-hmm. opinion on it. And then the more established, at least the more established I became, the less I cared because I was like, whatever, Same. man, like, I'm good at this. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Like, people know to trust me. Um, two games that i would be Returnal and seven, seven Dead. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, Kirk's playing everything um, on very hard. So, like, for him, it's like bumping <laughs> right. it down for to him hard. For it's dropping
1: it to hard, yeah. There are games sure. that yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that are hard <laughs> that I enjoy the difficulty. Though, a game like Guardians of the Galaxy is a great example of a game where it's like this- I just don't think this is all that fun. I don't like the way that it's designed that much, so who cares? I like the story. Mm
0: -hmm. And there are
1: games that I kick it down to easy because I think it actually makes the game work better narratively and just a more fun experience. Two examples are... The Wolfenstein series, Machine Games, Wolfenstein games, especially The New Order, that game is really fun on Easy, where if you play it on normal, it's kind of weird. BJ Blazkowicz is kind of squishy on normal. Like, you can't actually just run into a room and just, like, destroy everybody in the way that... The game kind of wants you to, but you never really can. You're taking cover a lot in that game because you get killed pretty quickly. And it's fun. I mean, it's like a great—it's well-designed. But playing it on easy, you're just this, like, Nazi murder machine, and it's fun. And I actually have found that is true of the Doom games, the the newer Doom games as well. Mm-hmm. Those games are really fun on the harder level. I mean, I liked 2016 more than the whatever the, the sequel is called, though I gather the sequel is actually really good on hard difficulties if you're good at it because it's so complex. But it's pretty fun to play those games on easy because you're just this, you're the doomslayer. Like you just are like, whatever, man, like I'm just going to blast through these levels. And there's such a fun exploration component to those games and finding all the little hidden secrets in every level. It just changes the focus of the game and it actually makes combat really fun. So I think that some games really benefit from that too. And I agree, Maddie, I really like that games make it possible to change the difficulty. And I like when games don't tie even achievements to that because I don't care about achievements but there's still just something it's a vestige of that like well if you kick it down to normal you can't get the special achievement because you're a quitter and I don't like that so I appreciate when they're just like whatever do whatever you want play however you want it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no more guilt and shame for, dr- for changing the difficulty. Please, yes, we have enough of that in the rest of our lives.
2: Video games <laughs> can just... Even the concept, even the way that we, the verbiage we use here, the, the language we use here to describe like knocking Beating it down a to a lower yeah. difficulty, a lower difficulty, like mm-hmm. even that mm-hmm. is kind of like it has this uh, interesting... Higher and
1: lower. We mm-hmm. should say
0: knocking it down to a better difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I played it on um, the worst difficulty. <laughs>
0: yeah, as opposed to the mode. best one, the one thats Feels the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I like to play games.
2: Um, let's keep going. I'll read this next one. This is from Kath. Kath says, I was listening to your Beans cast about the MCU for Max Fun members. Hint, hint uh, to any other <laughs> listener. <laughs> <laughs> And Jason And Jason didn't like The Falcon and the Winter Soldier because of its ending made me think about video games I adored until the end, and then it soured the experience. So here's my question for you. Do you have the same experience with any other games, either AAA or Indie, where you adored the story, but the ending was not a good experience and gave you a bad memory of it? Yes, absolutely. I will answer this because I have one that comes to mind immediately. <laughs> um, Kirk, do you know what I'm thinking of? Yes. Prey, the video game Prey. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. Which is a game I adored until the ending, and really the last like chunk of the game, the last act, the last quarter of the game, where suddenly it turns from a game where you can like um approach every problem in any way you want and sneak around and be stealthy and hack and and just do things in whatever way you want to like this uh enemy horde swarming at you like you have to you have to fight them to survive type of game. Um, and then the ending itself has such a stupid twist that I just like said, are you kidding me at my screen after I saw that? Um, but yeah, that whole last chunk of the game really soured what was otherwise an incredible experience for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a bunch. Like I, I <laughs> talked about it on the show a bit, but Deathloop was one where we talked mm-hmm. about the Prey ending yes, as well. Yes, yes, I yes. didn't like the twist Another in Deathloop. Game. I wrote about it at Polygon. I will not spoil the twist here, but I just I didn't think it worked. And then it kind of uh, it, it was tough because I enjoyed so much about like the first ninety percent of that game, and I think I put it on my honorable mention in our in our Games of the Year episode mm-hmm. because I still. Thought a lot of it was really cool, but I was very disappointed in the ending, and it made me a lot less excited about like the prospect of DLC and other stories in that world, because I was just like, I don't know about this. But um, another example is um, Spider-Man Miles Morales. The ending really didn't work for me, and I uh, maybe it'll be out by the time... We published this. I don't know. I wrote an essay about why I didn't like the ending of that game literally a year ago and never published it, huh. and I keep meaning to put it up. Maybe people could peer pressure me into putting it up, but I... You should,
1: because I want to read it just because I remember like thinking the story to that game was like pretty good, and I'm very interested in, in reading your take.
0: The end just didn't work for me for a bunch of reasons, and... Everything up to that I really liked. But there were like a couple specific plot choices they made at the end that I yeah. didn't like. And I guess so, I'm kind of
1: remembering how it ended and I can, I can well, see Well, I'm
0: sure if you read the essay, you'd be like, oh, right. And then you'd yeah. agree I've with me 100% forgotten. because like yeah. I'm so smart and you would like be totally convinced from there.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think I would be and I don't <laughs> remember. The story for that game kind of went in one ear and out the other.
0: I, it's also fine if people love the ending. I could see how someone would... I mean, it's... I don't know. I'm answering Cass' question. And then the other one... Um, That's like an obvious one and doesn't quite fit Kath's question, but comes to mind is Bioshock Infinite, where I feel like more just the first half of that game has some really strong ideas and some really cool stuff that it introduces about like how Elizabeth's tears through reality work. And then it just really goes off the rails and like, especially the ending, I was like, what is going on here, <laughs> which mm-hmm. again, I will not spoil some of the twists in that game, just in case there's a listener out there who wants to give it a shot. But oh boy, <laughs> some of those twists. Yeah, no it's thank infinite's
1: you. a funny one. I, that was one of them I was going to say as well, because it isn't just like the ending itself, which is a lot to keep track of to begin with, but it's right. It's <laughs> yeah. just the way that the game kind of spirals toward it, which is, I would also say a, a complaint I would level at The Last of Us Part II, at least for me, mm-hmm. it was a game that really starts strong and seems to be very... Very compelling and interesting and well put together and like and then as it just keeps going and going and going and eventually it's like this should have ended already. Even I mean the first Bioshock kind of feels that way too, where it actually would have had a sensational ending if it had just ended, you know, upon your your first mm-hmm. meeting with yep. that very important character yep, and a big reveal, and then of course <laughs> there's this extra ending that does it doesn't ruin the game. I'm not uh-huh. really a like the game or the ending, sorry, ruined the thing for me kind of a person, especially with video games. Though, I mean, I'm sure there are examples, but a lot of times I'm like, you know, I really liked this game, like Deathloop, didn't love Mm -hmm. the ending, but like I've loved this game, so I don't really care. And a lot of times actually I'm kind of, I'll, I'll feel the other way. I'm just seeing Horizon Zero Dawn as in the later question. And that's a game where that just comes to mind as a game where that it didn't need to have a good ending. I kind of didn't expect it to. And then mm-hmm. I thought I had a really lovely, great ending. And I was like, yeah, so rolled. pleasantly surprised ending, I by the ending that it actually yeah. really sealed the game together for me as, as a much greater experience than I think I had expected going in. Mm -hmm. I've actually
2: been thinking about that ending a lot recently because the new one is about to come out and that game ends with like some cool teases for like what could be to come. But Um, I'm also like, how are they
0: going to follow it up? Because I really liked the ending. So I feel Uh like they have a challenge there, which is following up that story. And I'm excited to see what they do. But yeah, that's almost like the opposite problem where I agree. I really like the ending so much that it's like. Oh, we're gonna do this again? Oh, oh okay. We can't we're back. pull that magic right. trick twice, so <laughs> yeah, they I gotta know. do
1: something new. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, let's keep going, Maddie. You wanna read this next one?
0: Sure. So Tom writes, big fan of the show. Got a question. Thanks so much, Tom. Should have skipped that part. Tom continues. (laughs) How do you get back into a complex game that you played some of, but then set aside? Over the holidays, I've been trying to resume some games that I played partway through earlier in the year, like Deathloop and Horizon Zero Dawn. But in both cases, I found returning to the game overwhelming and confusing. I'd forgotten the story points, the characters, the controls, and the mechanics. Though games sometimes have tutorial information in the menus to refresh your memory, or quest logs where you can recap the story, they're rarely enough to help you properly get to grips with a game again in the case of death loop i think i'm simply too confused and i'm not sure i'll pick it up again do you guys have any rituals or tricks to get back into games that you've left by the wayside
2: <laughs> yeah i do my ritual is i load it up i stare at it and then i turn it off you <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: <laughs> do that enough
1: times yeah. be able to get back eventually
0: into you just kind of through osmosis you remember it right, and it's right. as though you never left
1: Uh (laughs) Um, this happens to me all the time I wrote this article for Kotaku forever ago about Rise of the Tomb Raider because I had this happen to me where I had set the game down and then picked it back up and it was right before one of those sort of Uncharted-esque QTE sequences where Lara has to run across a bunch of collapsing things and she runs and you jump and you run and it's collapsing and then the last jump is too far and you have to throw your grappling hook and like it because there's like a little white, you know, it's like whatever. Have the grappling hook areas or are special? Yeah, yeah, coded. yeah. There's
0: a little sparkly doorway. Whatever, that you have right? To like enter. A, a grappling yeah.
1: hook region. And I just <laughs> didn't remember because I hadn't played it in a while. So I just I played through the sequence like 15 times, and she just kept dying on these like spikes too. Because you know, that game has like brutal <laughs> oh, death animations. Really and I was like, what is what am I missing? And I finally went and like scroll around in like a let's play on YouTube until I found that one I was like, Oh, the grappling <laughs> hook, right. So I've had this happen a lot. Um I I don't know if there's a good answer for it. This man Um, Deathloop is probably really tough to get back into. God of War this happened to me recently I was like I'm going to play that on PS5 at 60 frames per second in my new game plus and it's like all these combos are unlocked and combat and I was like how does what is how do I play this and I kind of just couldn't get back in the rhythm.
2: That happened to me too Kirk and I I keep thinking about starting a new game without new game plus. Right I think I think think the new game plus yes I think that would
1: and I think that actually that is the advice that I would give to Tom is if you want to get back into the game don't start over just start over and start from the beginning keep your save where it is but i would say play the first hour of the game again like if you really want to play you know if you're if you're like damn i I think i would have liked this but i've kind of lost the groove if you play the first hour again you'll probably play through the tutorials kind of get back in the zone remember what's going on with the story you'll be like okay i kind of remember this now and then try loading up your save that's farther along and that'll probably help
2: that's a good idea
0: that's good advice yeah Yeah, i I like that too
1: I find that it's just
2: really hard to to go back to one of these games after you've lost your momentum. And that's why yeah. I, and I'm sure many of the listeners out there, have just like an entire library of unfinished games because yeah. you, you start playing something, you're into it, you play 10, 15 hours of it, and then something else comes along that you're really excited about. And so you move on mm-hmm. to that and then you just never go back. And then you have that little voice inside your head that's like, hey, I really liked playing such and such. Tales mm-hmm. of Arise, I should go and play more of that. But you just never do. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least with Horizon Zero Dawn, you could set it to easy, and then you could switch it back. Also, right. That's just true. saying. Well, it's with true.
2: Horizon Zero Dawn, it helps if you rem- if you remember that you can actually slow down time. Oh my you God! Don't game. remind me. <laughs> it's <laughs>
0: it's <that>. Don't <laughs> remind scary. me. But actually, for real though, it is nice that you can slow down time. That's that true. Game.
1: That's kind of like the equivalent of Jason not sprinting in Half Life, Maddie not remembering <laughs> about slow mo. No, <laughs> I don't some... think it's the equivalent. We all have similar. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Kirk. You can take this next one. All right. This comes from Peter. Peter writes Hello, Kirk, Maddie, and Jason. Hi, Peter. Peter writes I was talking to a friend the other day about gaming ter- terminology that people use, and that often makes no sense. I personally find the word campaign irritating when used to describe a game's story mode. To my mind, that word does not fit there. When I hear campaign, <laughs> I picture someone holding up protest signs or trying to get voted into local government. That's very civic-minded of you, Peter. Um, Peter writes, I've got others as well, but I'm interested to see if there are any accepted gaming terms that any of you find annoying or ill-fitting. I have a few. I wrote down a few. I love this question. I have so many. amazing.
0: I just want to say it's so funny that Peter thinks that when hearing the word campaign because I don't. I instead think of a military campaign every single time. Which is where
2: it comes from yeah
0: correct. But it's now in so many games that don't have anything yep. to do with the military. So like, I think of it as a call of duty thing because I think yep. that that may be either right. the the game that popularized it or one of the first iterations of the word campaign where it makes sense, I guess, even though it's really corny. But anytime it's in like, I don't know, like if I were talking about like the chicory campaign, like that would sound absurd for a game right. like that. Right. No, it, it, is, it is kind Am of I cruel. Saying? It's
2: only really used when specifying like versus multiplayer, like how right. oh, I'm playing of a campaign course. versus... So it has to be a game that has a multiplayer mode that is prominent in some way. So like the Halo campaign, the Call of Duty
1: campaign. You wouldn't say the Chicory campaign because it does not on multiplayer. It's
0: true. There should right. be a multiplayer for Chicory though. That would be awesome. But Anyway, it is it's
1: just a weird one because it could just be called the story mode and the fact that yeah. it's called the campaign really is just a Call of Dutyism because it's like mm. well you're playing through the whatever military campaign of World War 2 Eastern Front or something and it, and it's not applicable or it just it is a very odd one. I was thinking about beat, which I think is one that we use with video games like beating a video game and Maddie, I know yep. that you're I wanted to ask you. I know you're very fond of using know, the term I've be, tried to I think stop you do because it. Because
0: the listeners have pointed out that I say it even in situations where it makes no sense to refer to a game. I, th- I feel
1: like you kind of do it on purpose, though, right? Like it's a little bit arch no. the way that you use it. <laughs> oh, no, really? I always kind of assumed it was a little That's ironic. very
0: kind of you to assume that. Um, yeah, no, I've been doing it ironically. I I've been says using is this stupid ironic. term for my entire life as a bit, and it's well, definitely not just a bad habit. You'll, yeah, I'm you'll still use it in. for
1: like, I don't know, like Life is Strange. You'll be like, I, I beat know. Life is Strange. Like, did you beat the game? early? Like yeah, Maddie, every single
2: every single negative quality you should just say is a bit. I'm doing oh, it yeah, a joke. A every single <laughs> me
0: like putting off cleaning the bathroom for just another just week a, more. A it's a, It's like a, a fun funny, like, funny bit. It's you ironic. Know? Like who would expect that of me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
2: okay. Can I give you guys some some terms that I sure. hate to Please. death? Okay. One is uh, going gold. Because it doesn't Ugh. make sense anymore, yes. so I hate yes. it when anybody uses it. It doesn't. It doesn't even in today's yeah. modern day, like the concept of printing yes. a, a disk <laughs> version doesn't even. Especially exist given how unfinished games are when they yeah, come.
0: In. yeah right. when they go gold yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Two is um, the word engine. Uh, which has Mm. become so skewed as to have lost all meaning and it's just Mm. um, Mm used in so many different ways. How do you feel
0: about gameplay, by the way? Because that one is one that I'm like, if I can get a writer to use any other word, I will make them. There are some very few cases Mm. where I will allow gameplay, but most of the time people say it when they just mean game. (laughs) <laughs> mm. Or I did something. <laughs> like right. some other I mean, verb a, can go there. Kind
1: of a di- way of distinguishing between the thing you do versus the story you are told, but also like a less relevant distinction. It's a useful concept, but there is certainly better language you can use than
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um And then the one other one, this
2: is more of a game criticism thing, but really I see it a lot in game conversations, is the word bombastic, which nobody knows <laughs> this what this just, means. This
1: is Jason's
2: valid pet peeve. Oh,
0: is that the one people are using okay.
2: now? So the oh. word bombastic, what the word bombastic actually means is speaking in flowery tones. It's like what you would use to describe a politician, like using highfalutin yes. language, like saying things that mean nothing, puffery essentially. The way it's used in the video game world is to mean the explosive. The word bombastic has absolutely nothing to do with explosions or cinematics or anything. It's too late, it man.
0: Do you get mad at people who say literally? Is this is this no, like that at all. for you? No no, okay. no, 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 no. I think I, I believe
2: I... no, Maddie. I I believe very strongly, actually, that language evolves and language changes, and like words change meaning. But bombastic, like, there's absolutely no. It's only like game critics that use it to describe like the latest Call of Duty. Like this, this Call of Duty trailer is bombastic. I feel
0: like I've seen some Marvel movies called bombastic. It's not just game people. It's okay.
2: It's not like it's not so broadly used in a way that like literally is where it can be adopted to another use. It's just people using it wrong. Like, it's not a word that should Ah, fit Ah, but
1: okay, let me challenge you on that, because I understand that they're using it incorrectly, and that is not the definition. However, it sounds so right that you could almost honestly make an argument that because the word bomb-bast is so evocative of explosions,
0: that it could
1: just change to mean that, even though I understand your complaint. It's got the word
0: bomb- in it right at the beginning and then it's like ass, which is like bomb blast. It's like yep. so you're saying bomb You're saying right. that and and that's what it means.
1: Maybe so. we should invent a new word that is bomb <laughs> and that word means explosive.
0: Uh-huh. Well, the,
1: the actual problem
2: is that in 1995, the musical artist Shaggy released his third studio album, Boombastic, mm-hmm. which included a song called Bombastic about uh, Mr. Bombastic, which really is what started this whole... Right. All of these Noted problems.
0: game critic Shaggy, because as Jason said before, <laughs> the only people who make this mistake are game critics, and we can all agree mm-hmm. that's true. So right. that's really where the problem originated. It's interesting yeah, we're it going back from to that. Shaggy. So yeah. now
1: is the... Is the song Mr. Bombastic about a gentleman who regularly exaggerates and speaks using overly, overly language, exciting language? language? No, it is uh,
2: about a, a woman who um, calls Shaggy, the narrator of the song, mm-hmm. Mr., Mr. Bombastic, Mr. Bombastic. So that could mean
1: anything. Right, she could is he be saying that's a cool thing to be called, him. or is she being like, dude, you're well, <laughs> so not. bombastic, yeah. chill.
0: Shaggy doesn't know what the word means, but she actually was criticizing his, um, his right, manner. Right, it was some self-criticism. You have
2: to, you have to, take some, you have to do some artistic interpretation here, but mm. um, I, here, wow. I, can read you, I can read you a couple of lyrics. Um, okay, bombastic. <laughs> tell me fantastic, touch me on my back, she called Mr. Romantic, tell me fantastic... Hmm.
1: You get the gist
2: of it.
0: It's kind
1: of a fun word to rhyme with. I get where Shaggy's coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's It's a fun word to use. It's a fun word. I understand why people misuse It it. It's a good word.
0: It's a fun word. It should mean explosive. I'm sure I've misused it. And I have no regrets. That's my stance on this. I
1: never have because Jason has been telling me about this for like seven years and I've internalize well
0: that. Kirk you are the reason why I say cliched instead of cliche ah, that makes which me very I don't happy. know why I'm still doing it because it's in dictionaries now like I need to move on yeah, but like you told okay. me that one early on and like cliched is the adjective form of cliche and I yes. still I still fix that every time I, for no reason I
1: think no reason well, there's there's nothing wrong with being correct even love, if, if,
0: love to be a little bit of language... a about something right. really specific it can be fun you're a
1: professional editor you should be it's, it's your it's your prerogative <laughs> um all right Let's let's
2: uh squeeze in one little okay. more bombastic question before we uh, <laughs> before we go. Um Ryan says, "Hi TripleClick. I was wondering if you could do a Monster Hunter episode. I've never played any of the games, but I keep hearing about how great they are and people really seem to enjoy them. Any advice for newcomers to the franchise would be a plus." Well, we are not going to do a Monster Hunter episode. Maybe
1: <laughs> well, Kirk that's can a grand give us a po-
0: proclamation. Kirk can, can put it as his bet game some at some point and force us to do one. That would that be happen. tough. No,
1: I cuz I wouldn't make you play a game that's like 100 hours. But Kirk can give us some advice on how to get into Monster Hunter. Yeah,
0: give us some advice.
1: So I can give Ryan some advice um, as someone who was not into Monster Hunter and then became into Monster Hunter with World. And this is especially applicable, I bet, because Rise is now out on PC and Rise is really, really good. Monster Hunter Rise, which was on Switch before and is... Fantastic on Switch. I would prefer playing it on Switch because it's great on Switch, but it is also on PC now. And I'm sure some people are seeing it and thinking, hmm, kind of want to play that, especially I'm sure it'll be on Steam sale later this year. Um, So my advice is this is a game that becomes very, very fun once you know how it works. So if you want to get into it, there is always a demo. Download the demo, but the demo isn't really going to sell you because it's going to throw you into the deep end and you're just going to go fight a monster. And you'll be like, what? I'm like, this sucks. Like, I have this sword, but it's so slow and I don't – this combat is so weird and hard and I feel so, like, lethargic and what the hell. So – you gotta put a little bit of work in. So it, you you know, it is a game where like you have to learn a few things before you will appreciate it. But then once you do that, it becomes very fun to like learn more. So my advice would be: there are some tutorial videos. Pick a weapon like the long sword's a really cool one, especially in Rise. It has a super cool moveset. And you're gonna wanna learn just the basic combos of that weapon. And to do that, watch a YouTube video. There are some that I watched, I'll link, I forget the name of the the YouTube channel right now, but I'll link this in the show notes. Just watch the long sword video. It's like 10 minutes, and the guy will just go through all the different combos you can do, and then just go to the training room and like do those for a little while. And also I will say, to shout out Maddie's publication, that Russ Frushtick our friend from the Besties, got into Monster Hunter Rise and that was his first one and he wrote some mm-hmm. posts for Polygon that are very helpful about like how to get into it. I think maybe Ryan Gilliam also wrote some, but you guys have some good tips posts. So, oh yeah, yeah. there's yeah.
0: some very useful Monster Hunter Rise posts from Ryan and Russ.
1: You want to link a couple in the show notes? Yeah, we'll link those in the show notes as well. And I would say like just if you can get yourself into the headspace to do a little bit of that work up front and, like, learn that stuff, the game is so fun once you learn just kind of the basics of one weapon and then maybe some wirebug tricks, all just kind of button combos and stuff. And then you'll kind of go from there, start customizing your inventory, whatever, and then you kind of get into it. But that's, that's the, the thing is getting over that first hump. Cool. Um, cool. All right. On
2: that note, thank you again to everyone who wrote in questions, and to all the questions that we we read today. Let's take a break, and then we will be back with one more thing.
1: I'm John Moe. My show, Depression Mode, is all about mental health, and this week I talk with Amanda Knox. She spent four years in an Italian prison for a murder she didn't commit. That's a lot of trauma and she's okay talking about it. If I touch on
0: something that you'd rather not get into, just say so, we'll cut the whole exchange out. But it also seems like you're pretty open, open about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am having trouble imagining anything that you could talk to me about. that <laughs> I,
1: know, I I know, what are we going to throw Amanda Knox
0: with <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Depressed Mode with John Moe, only on Maximum Fun.
0: For over a decade,
1: MaxFunCon has been an incredible weekend of learning, connecting, and laughing with folks in the MaxFun community. And, if all goes according to plan, the last regularly scheduled MaxFunCon will take place in Lake Arrowhead from June 3rd to June 5th, 2022. We have a very limited number of tickets remaining. To make them available to the maximum number of people, we'll be opening our waitlist for tickets on January 23rd at 5pm Pacific. That'll be your chance to be first in line to purchase tickets, and we'll go down the waitlist until we're at capacity. More details at maxfuncon.com and mark your calendars for Sunday, January 23rd at 5 p.m. Pacific.
2: And we are back for one more thing. Maddie, why don't you kick us off with your one more thing?
0: Sure. Um, So it's not Dark Souls, but it could have been, which was also (laughs) true last week. I'm just saying that. I know that's not part of this, but I just want everyone to know that I'm still playing Dark Souls. And I'm not talking about it because I'm I'm a nice person who doesn't want to talk about Dark Souls every single week. And instead, I'm going to talk about the anime Death Note from... 2006, which I saw the pilot episode of Death Note probably around 2006, and I thought it was really cool and really sophisticated and awesome and badass. And I was like, great pilot. I'd love to watch the rest of the show. Never got around to it. Watch people cosplay as characters from Death Note for the next 10 years of my life, going to anime conventions, and kind of felt like I got the gist, learned a lot of spoilers, kind of was like, okay, yeah, sure. It's like I've seen Death Note at this point. Moved on. And then this week, I just had been talking at work with some people about anime, and I was like, you know, I'd love something to watch just in the background of doing various things that I don't need to pay a ton of attention to. Death Note is... It's so great. It's so perfect for this. It's got Mm. a great dub. I know dubs or versus subs is like a whole thing. If you Mm want to watch it with the subtitles, that's chill. But I think the dub is pretty good. It's pretty fun. And it's great for background laundry folding.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, can't watch the subtitles in the background.
0: Do you guys know anything about yeah, the show? Do you want to I know do. the premise real quick? The yes. elevator pitch? Go okay. ahead and tell us so, the premise. So a high school student who is poised to become a serial killer in terms of what his psychology is, is cool. the main character of the show. And a spooky devil guy in the underworld drops his death note, drops his death notebook. Um, By accident. And he is a comical character who is basically the sidekick of the lead for the entirety of the show. And the lead finds that death notebook, the death note, if you will. And every time he writes down somebody's name in the book, which contains instructions on how to do this, that person will die. And it turns out that he can specify exactly how and when they will die. So he starts out in the pilot episode only killing criminals and being very moral and very like... um, Terrifying, lawful. Right, like <laughs> uh, Dexter geez. Morgan. Right, yeah. Like Dexter, yes. Except then, Uh, before long things get out of control and this incredible like almost Sherlock Holmes-esque figure L who is aware of like supernatural beings somehow Mm. decides to get on the case and follow him and figure it out and the entire thing is a cat and mouse there's so much like gay shipping of these two male characters understandably because there's just endless like they're constantly one step ahead of each other Mm. at all times and they have great chemistry and also every episode is L setting up a series of events that would absolutely make it so that Light is caught, Light being the main character, and then Light improbably somehow figuring out how to not be caught through an even more absurd series of events that you could never possibly guess. Maddie,
2: no wonder you no wonder you like this. It's Bill. It's great.
0: It's Billions, it's Billions. It's Billions, but it's much more childish and silly and corny Mm, and, like, soapy than Billions because it's from, you know, 15 years ago, and it just... It allows itself to be very soapy in a way that I think in two thousand six was really impressive to sixteen year olds which valid been there, but to a thirty five year old I find hilarious and like really charming and fun to watch, so yeah, I recommend it uh death note it's an anime I'm watching it on Funimation through a subscription through a subscription. it is not free sadly
2: nice
0: uh... how about somebody else goes Jason, you want to go next? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yes, I will go next. Um, My one more thing is a movie called Don't Look Up, which is a new Netflix movie um, that people it. have probably heard of. Heard of it. Uh, it's directed by Adam McKay, stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. And I thought it was eh, fine, that's I sort guess. Of I, sort of what <laughs> it I've been hearing. Be yeah, take. it wasn't really that impressive. I was hoping for something, I don't know, maybe a little more biting, maybe a little, a little more interesting. It's just kind of like um, a ho-hum satire that's like, look, people don't. Uh, so the the premise is that like it 's all a metaphor for climate change, and the premise is that this meteor is discovered that 's about to crash into the earth and kill everybody and um, shocker uh, the uh, some people don 't believe in it and don 't take it seriously and there 's like uh, a bunch of like patriot youtubers who are like there is no such thing as the comet or like it's not gonna and and essentially it's just like a send-up of of everything all things climate change slash pandemic slash sounds, whatever else.
1: it sounds so fun
2: yeah <laughs> and it's like i it's love
0: not... to think about people denying the existence of Same. either like a pandemic or totally. like planetary collapse it's my favorite or... vibe
2: it's sort of it's got that problem where it's where that a lot of comedy has just had during the Trump era, where it's just yeah. how do you satirize something that's just this absurd, and how yeah. do you even have effective satire when you're talking about people who just like don't believe in the fabric of reality, like don't Which believe is like in truth.
0: Sad to me, it's not funny. It's like sad. Anyway, I think I saw on. that
1: they wrote most of the movie before COVID, and then when COVID was Oof. happening, or they had, they had a version of it written and they were working on it, and then they kept being like, "Oh my god, like the stuff in our script is like literally happening. We need to make the script even more absurd."
0: But it, it, I feel like if anything, that's like a sign that it doesn't work. Is that it's like, <laughs> oh no, the movie we wrote that's as a, a joke is not oh real. no, it's
2: too real. It's just it doesn't work because it's not that absurd. It's not that mm-hmm. it's not very funny. It's like. The jokes yeah. mostly miss. Um, Leo DiCaprio is great because he's always great, and he yeah. mm-hmm. he he acts his heart out in in the movie, and he's very fun as as this kind of schlumpy scientist character uh, who who like gets tempted by celebrity and gets tempted to like sure. um, follow fame and fortune, even if it means abandoning science. And so there's some some good stuff in there, but like in general, I this is a movie that you can very easily skip. Um, mm. But it's also if you have nothing else to watch and you're like just browsing Netflix, like no reason not to watch it it's just that like i don't know i've liked adam mckay's other stuff better i really like the big short for example and whereas Mm -hmm. this did not work for me quite as well i even liked vice better than this even though that that had its own kind of issues but yeah didn't this did not work for me quite as well
0: yeah i kind of liked vice thought it was interesting
1: i never watched a
2: yeah, I thought it was another movie that was like really just Christian Bale's performance in that movie mm-hmm. just really yeah. takes he it was to quite an, good. A, a, another level. Amy
0: Adams too. Yes, Amy that. Adams. Very awesome. good in that. Also I really, love her, really her really and everything. Yeah, maybe
2: I'll watch it one day. Um, and then in Don't Look Up, Jonah Hill plays this like uh, ridiculous character who is just like even his like comedy is like, it's too, I don't know. Something's off about That's it. That's
0: so weird. Cause he, cause he's so funny. It's like weird. He's that great. such a yeah, Star-studded cast, but it just doesn't I mean, work. Meryl Streep together. is in nice. it. There's
1: a million people in it. Yeah.
0: yeah Meryl mm-hmm. Streep
2: is in it and she is like, I don't know. It's, it just didn't really work that well for me.
1: Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, Kirk, what's your one more thing? So my one more thing was going to be a movie that I just watched called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which I loved. And I want to recommend to everybody, but I don't want to tell people what it's about because it's just really funny. So I'm actually going to make it a different movie. Wow. Um, it is a different movie that I watched that I was much more mixed on, but that is actually also kind of more video game related. Because we're clearly, it's funny. All of our one more things for like four episodes have just been like, here's a show Listen, I caught up I on or a movie. I could have talked about
0: Dark Souls again. Like, I tried to true. scare everybody. Okay, Maddie
1: is the true gamer among us. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna be like we're in <laughs> no, the I law know. right now. Oh, we're I gonna know. be in gaming yep. territory soon. We're we're all pacing ourselves. I'm just I'm just sort of laughing. Um, so I watched the movie Free Guy, which mm. uh-huh. yeah. um, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Yes, starring Ryan Reynolds. Um, And I was kind of medium on it. It was fine. It was a fun time. It was diverting.
0: Was it better or worse than Ready Player One?
1: Um, It's funny because it was co-written by Zach Penn, who I think also wrote the Ready Player One adaptation. Um, Cool. I don't think it's – it's different. They're both kind of on the same level for me. Like, they're both kind of movies that I would just kind of watch if it was on. Like, I find Ready Player One plenty watchable, the film – and the, this movie too, it's like fun, but it's not, it wasn't as good as it could have been because it kind of just didn't pick a lane. It's such a like mashup. So I should explain what this movie is. It's it's a weird movie that doesn't exist because it came out in 20, I think in 2021, mid pandemic, mm-hmm. but it's yep. a pretty star studded film. But also like, I totally forgot about it. I remembered seeing a trailer and being like, holy shit. This is like some of the articles I wrote for Kotaku turned into a movie. The premise of this movie is that Ryan Reynolds is an NPC, essentially in GTA Online, in a sort of hybrid GTA Online Fortnite video game. And it looks like real life. And it's very Lego movie in the setup, in that he is just like, woohoo, like, gonna go to my job at the bank where I get held up every day. And there's player characters who come through the world and just blow things up and do whatever. And he just is like, oh, it's the sunglasses people. like And it's Ryan Reynolds doing that kind of cherubic, enthusiastic, goofy thing that he kind of does in Deadpool, like it has a Deadpool vibe, but it's not quite as like cynical and self-aware mm-hmm. in that way anyways, and then of course he realizes that he's in the game somehow and starts to change and break out of it so it has, it's sort of Truman show esque, it definitely has that feeling um, and it's it's mixing a whole lot of different ingredients that I like. Like I love the Truman Show. That movie really holds up too shockingly yeah, well if you haven't watched it recently. Good. It's a really great movie. And it, it it gets kind of touching in parts and it's it can be it's kind of a really interesting thing. It is also interestingly enough a movie that is about my a uh, Gonzo prediction for 2022 coming true, <laughs>
0: which like <laughs> yeah, I watched it right a, a after a video making game that character make, becoming aware, becoming self aware. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and anyways, I don't know. It has Jodie Comer in it um, from Killing Eve, Killing Eve, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, it has a great cast. It really has a lot going for it. It's just kind of. Didn't quite come together into what I wanted it to be. The, some of the jokes just try too hard. There's a lot of like YouTubers in it, which is pretty yeah. funny because yeah. it's like they're all people <laughs> like Jacksepticeye and Pokemane. Like they're people who are big right now, but watching the movie, I was just like this. Feels a hundred years old. Like this already feels a uh-huh. hundred years old. It's like uh-huh. from last it's century. It's like
0: becoming dated as it's coming out, even yes. though it isn't dated yet. It's like you can imagine the version of yourself that sees it three years from now and is like, "Who the fuck is this? Like who yes. are these people." Um, yeah.
1: So it's you know it's a it's it's an okay movie. I thought it's plenty diverting if you want something to watch, but. As a video game movie goes, I felt that it fell far short of the The Matrix Resurrections, which is maybe the best now maybe the best video game movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so it's pretty incredible. Um, it uh, it uh, was a high bar that was recently set by that movie. So watching, I was like, ah, this is fine. But anyways, it's fine. It's plenty fun. I think people would uh, would find things to like about it. There's lots of Easter eggs and that kind of thing if you're into that. So pretty fun movie.
2: Uh, lots of video game Easter eggs, like uh, references to, to games hidden all throughout. The... I'm sure there's
1: like video game references that I didn't even get, but there's certainly, you know, like a Halo tank keeps rolling around in the background and that kind of thing. And you're like, ah, oh, I'm a gamer. I got that one. <laughs> I know what that is. It's like cool. it's the the metaverse. It's all the references,
2: all the the Ready Player One style references
1: shoved yeah. into one. It's very. One I mean, it's it's nowhere near like that. There's just a few. I mean, it, it mostly exists on its own logic. And I mean, there's a game development studio that is. It's just it's funny watching it because you're just like, wow. Like it's just, it just has bears no resemblance to how game development works at all, except for I guess the fact that there's this like horrible toxic dude in charge played by Taiko Waititi who's actually not as funny as I wanted him to be. So it's, it's like things about the movie. I'm like, man, I love Taika. I wanted him to be funny. And he's kind of, he's a pretty sweaty performance. But mostly it's like just the fantasy logic of movie video game development where they're like on their laptops changing the code. Of, it's kind of like Mythic Quest, like where they're like, yeah. things just don't, they don't, they need to work in a way that is unrealistic because who cares? It's better for the story, but it's sort of mm-hmm. fun watching if you know even a little bit about game development.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Alright, that is it for this week's episode. Yeah. We will be back once again next Thursday. Same, same time, same place, same mm-hmm. channel. Same, same podcast, triple time, Same triple listening channel. <laughs> Location. Same same Maddie catchphrase, clickety-clickety-clack. Clickety-click clickety, clickety,
0: <laughs> clickety, right. clickety. We'll be back with that. That's true. Alright.
1: Well, I will see the both of you in a week.
0: And now for my real catchphrase. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes.